Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I want you to put yourself, if you can, back over 2,000 years ago in, in the shoes and feet and mannerisms of Mary. And uh, I want to read an excerpt to you from Max Kittle's book, Because of Bethlehem, which is available in the, in the toolbox in the back, by the way. In fact, I think there's two copies back there. Great Christmas read for you if you've never read it before. But he writes this about Mary's experience. Heaven's seed in, in woman, Mary, minuscule yet mighty, a fetus yet a force. God descends a birth canal, born, creator, cradled in a Bethlehem barn, infant yet infinite, asleep yet a king. God gurgles in mama's arms, a baby is born. This is the Christmas moment <clears throat> that shaped all the others to follow. On a starlit night, in the company of sheep, cattle, and a bewildered Joseph, Mary's eyes fell upon the face of her firstborn son. She was bone-weary, surely, in pain, likely. Ready to place her head on the straw and sleep the rest of the night away, probably. But first, Mary had to see this face, his face, to wipe the moisture from his mouth, feel the shape of his chin, to be the first to whisper, so this is what God looks like. Everything changes when we see the face of God. He took on your face in the hope that you would see his. He came with tears too. He knows the burden of a broken heart. He knows the sorrow this life can bring. He could have come as a shining light or a voice in the clouds, but he came as a person. God does understand you. Find the answer in Bethlehem. Gaze where Mary gazed. Look into God's face and be assured if the king was willing to enter this world of animals and shepherds and swaddling clothes, don't you think he's willing to enter yours also? He took on your face in the hope that you would see his. We're going to talk today about this idea of the face of God being this gift to us from Bethlehem. We've talked in week one about the first gift being the gift of hope. And last week we talked about the lessons that we learned in, in the, the gift of the, uh, lessons learned from King Herod and from the wise guys uh, in, in pride and humility. And then I want us to see the face of God here. We're going to be at various points in Scripture to talk about that. But bear in mind uh, Mary's experience of looking into the face of God as we look at it and read this text today. First of all, we're in Genesis Chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. Listen to this story. It says, That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and the eleven sons and crossed the Jordan at Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him and passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. First thing I want us to see today from this text in, in Genesis 32 is that the face of God makes a lasting impression. It makes a lasting impression. It says because he was limping because of his hip. I wonder if you've ever wrestled with God uh, or wrestled with godliness in a godless situation sometimes. That wrestling is, can create angst on our part and, and it always affects our, our view of him and our view of us in the context of, the, of that situation. Jacob wrestled with, with him all night, the scripture says, and it left a lasting impression in the, in the form of gratitude that he speaks to in verse 30 and in the form of a limp in verse 31. So this impression was both physical and spiritual. It was spiritual in the sense that, uh, that he, he affected Jacob's walk, changed his name to Israel, changed his future in, in that moment. And physical in the sense that he, he was left with a limp after that wrestling match all night long. And limp in all likelihood for the rest of his days. So as God moves in us spiritually and physically, he moves in us, that's the spiritual part, in order that he can move around us, that's the physical part, in, in our circumstances, in, in, in the things that we're facing each day. And I wonder if that's true of you, can those around you see that you've had a face-to-face -face experience with God. That you've seen him face-to-face -face and you've experienced him in, in the way that it has affected you spiritually in the sense that you, your view of him has changed. It's a far more intimate walk than it used to be after you see him face-to-face. -face. And your circumstances have changed. You, you don't see your circumstances as controlling you anymore, only as a means to what God is doing in you and wants to do around you. Uh, it's, it should make that kind of impression. Last uh, Sunday night, we were here for our annual church conference and gathering and dinner. And some of the guys were bantering back and forth at the, at the table. John and Rob, I think Randy and a few others bantering back and forth. And somebody landed a zinger and, and I heard one of them say, that's going to leave a mark. You know, it should be that way when we have a face-to-face -face experience with Jesus. It should leave a mark. It should, it should leave us uh, changed and different in the sense that not just that we've been in a holy place with a holy person, but that holiness vis visits us willingly day after day and moment after moment of our life. It should change us. It should leave a mark on us. Uh, I wonder if that's true of you. Turn to Numbers chapter 6. I want us to see the second point in chapter 6 of Numbers, verses 22 to 26. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the face of God, it does make a lasting impression. But secondly, the face of God is a source, he says in this passage, of grace and peace. A source of grace and peace. 
Make his face to shine upon you, he says, and be gracious. Then he says, tell Aaron and your sons this. Meaning, this is legacy stuff. This is deeper than just the surface. Make sure the generation behind you and the generation behind that and the generation behind that knows these things about the face of God. It brings grace and, and brings peace. Grace and peace are found in the face of God. Why is that the case? Because his face is the source of light. It says that his face shine upon you. His face is the source of light that leads the way uh, to, to, to what's, what's coming, what, what's, what's around the corner next. All of us want to know that, don't we? We want to know what's around the bend, what, what's the next encounter, what's the next thing, the next crisis I'm about to face as, as a believer. And he says, if you look, look to my face, I will illuminate ahead of you so that you can see the obstacles in the way and see where to walk. Uh, this, this light from the face of God reveals those things to us and for us. And the grace of knowing God is going ahead, that, that knowing that God's going ahead of us is what brings us the peace. The grace of knowing that he's already around the next corner, illuminating the next corner, should, should bring peace to us. And peace, according to this passage, comes from experiencing his grace. It comes from experiencing, from seeing, from walking in his grace, from understanding his grace, from sharing in his grace. And in that understanding and walk and seek in that journey, we find his peace. It's a source of grace and peace. Now turn to First Chronicles chapter 16. When you see in these few verses here some things about the face of God as well. Chapter 16 of 1 Chronicles verses 10 and 11 says this. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Third thing I think that we find in the face of God is that the face of God is to be pursued. That's what he says there, to seek his face always. Uh, so, is this talking about physically encountering the face of God? No, I don't think so. That day's coming, but it's not here yet. So what does it mean to seek his face? Well, if the light of God is found in the face of God, then the ways of God is found in the word of God. Don't miss that. If the light of God is found in the face of God, then he illuminates his ways by way of his word. He makes, he makes his ways known by, by way of his word. Listen to these verses in Psalm 19. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You are my portion, O Lord. I promise to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. The psalmist knew that as he pursued the face of God, he was pursuing the word of God in order to see what God's face looks like, how it illuminates and lights the way for us. So to seek his face is to seek his word. Why? Because it gives us direction and it also gives us understanding Direction in the sense of where God's headed with us circumstantially, where God is head, headed with us spiritually, and understanding as to the why that that, that that journey is occurring in the way that it is, when it is, in, in the terms that it is. As I've said before, seeing God's hand will seldom come in the time that you'd like. It will seldom come in the way you like. But you will always eventually see the why. Maybe not today. Maybe not this decade. And you'll eventually see the why of what God is up to around you and in you because the face of God is to be pursued. 
Well, it makes a lasting impression. It is a source of grace and peace. It's to be pursued. Fourthly, turn if you will to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll look at verses 4 to 6 together. Around this fourth point. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 to 6 says this. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. To give us light in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Fourthly, the face of God is seen in his son. It's seen in his son. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The image of God, as it mentions in verse 4, is found in Christ. Jesus said in John 14, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father also. So he, he is the, the physical image of God. Uh, it's, it's, I think, ironic that Mary, or I wonder if Mary realizes she looked into the face of Jesus for the first time that she was looking in the face of God. Uh, it's... If so, that would have been an, an, an intimidating gaze, I'm sure. And the whole process had to be intimidating for an older teenage girl. Uh, I wonder if she, as she looked in his face, would realize that this little baby who grew up to be a toddler, who, who grew up to be a young child, her and Joseph would teach how to speak Hebrew and Aramaic, would one day speak the words that we're reading in this book today. I wonder if, if, as the first words came out of his mouth, whether it was mom or dad or whatever it was, as they were teaching him to, 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 to talk, that if she thought about the years down the road when <clears throat> his words would be written in red, and we would, we would give them as, as much significance as we do, I doubt she did. She was probably much like many other young moms, overwhelmed in a moment of what was going on. And so as, as life unfolded for her and for him and for them, those things were realized. Jesus entered our world not like a human, but as a human. Meaning, he wasn't partially man and partially God. He was all man and all God. All human and all divine. Uh, if you can get your mind around that, explain that to me sometime. I, I, I'd like to know that myself. But entered our world not like a human, but as a human. So, the question then, I think, is begged, how come God goes so far? Why would God go so far as to make him, his son and, and the image of himself into the form of an infant, to grow up as a baby, as a young child, as a teenager, as an adolescent, as an adult, and experience all of that to find himself headed to a cross for your sins and mine? Why would God go, why, why would he go so far? I think he goes so far because he wants you to know that he gets you. He understands you. you you've seen those ad campaigns on TV now, and, uh, commercials and pro baseball stadiums in, 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 on the backstop says he gets us. I don't know who's doing that, but I'm for them, whoever they are. Because he gets us. He understands us. He, he, he understands our ways. He understands our, our, our temptations, our desires, our our anxieties, our fears. Uh, so 
And he does that so that uh, when the questions come, and they do come, when the questions come, does God care if I'm sad? We can look at his face next to the tomb of Lazarus. When the questions come, does God notice when I'm afraid? We can see Jesus walking across the stormy sea and calming the sea with his, with his voice for his disciples. Uh, we can see in answer to the question, does God know when I'm rejected? We can see his compassion as he stands before Magdalene, or as Magdalene stands before him, accused and guilty. Uh, seeing his face, the understanding her, her rejection. So why is the face of God so important to him? Because everything changes when you see the face of God. Everything changes when you see God face to face. Sorrow turns to hope. Fear turns to faith. Uncertainty turns to confidence. Everything changes when you experience the face of God personally face to face. So, as Max Lucchetto wrote, and I read to you just a minute ago, he took on your face in the hope that you would see his face. If my people who are called by my name, Second Chronicles 7:14 says, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We need to be seeking the face of Jesus, because face to face with him, everything makes sense. Apart from that, good luck. But face to face with Jesus, everything comes into focus. Everything comes into view. And understanding is what follows. Let's pray. Father, you, as we just sang, you broke the silence, brought your son into a world that uh, was broken, is even more broken today than it was then. And as we walk through and live through, navigate our way through the brokenness, would you help us to see and understand the more we seek your face, the easier it is to navigate the brokenness. The more we seek your face, and seek your word in it, the more understanding we have of what you're up to, what you're up to in our hearts, in and through our lives, and around the circumstances that lies around us in our world, in our, in our family, in our home, at work. The brokenness is pervasive. But you put the people in this room to, to be per, per, pervasive as well in, in our own world and in our own circumstances, in our own sphere of influence. You cause the opportunity to... to be on display this season and every season really for us to be salt and light in a seasonless dark place for us to walk with a sense of confidence and assurance because we know what tomorrow holds we know who holds tomorrow we live in confidence and not in fear because we've seen the face of God and his son Jesus and that face as we gaze into it on a regular basis by way of your word should change us should mold us into your image, should give us a greater sense of understanding, a greater sense of purpose, a greater sense of value, a greater sense of direction, but above all, a greater sense of how deeply we're loved by you. So, as we learn grace and peace is found in the face of Jesus, let's be grace and peace to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 